Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we are recording with Dr. Heather Gessling, Gessling not mm-hmm. Gensler, Gessling, on Thursday, July 13th, 2023, at 4.04 p.m. Eastern Time, episode 1295. And um, if you go into the description, guys, you can find her Twitter. You can find the links to the wellness company. Doctor, could you please introduce yourself to, to everyone and kind of, um, as with, you know, really everyone I'm in, interviewing from the wellness company, which I think the first I had was Dr. McCullough. It's kind of uh-huh. the the same Genesis story, right? It's what we all saw was the complete corruption and utter breakdown yeah. of integrity and, and ethics and medicine, the complaining, mm-hmm. and then everyone realizing, well, we complain forever, and that feels good, and we can all pat each other on the back and say we're good people, or we can actually start to take action and build a parallel Sounds system. Safe. So could you please kind of yeah. introduce yourself and get into how you've got to where you are now? Yeah, so I am a family medicine physician. I'm in Missouri. I graduated uh, residency in 2010 um, and started practicing in a rural town in Missouri and loved it. Never thought I would leave. Became chief of staff uh, six years ago or eight years ago now. Six years ago, or I was chief of staff for six years at that little hospital. And um served it. I was devoted to it. I worked really, really hard. And um, so when 2020 came around, I uh, just kept working really, really hard for my patients, tried to figure out what was going to work to keep them alive, doing research every minute I could, just reading everything I could to figure out what would work and And then when 2020 rolled around, realized, you know, hey, it's worked. None of my patients have died yet. And uh, then the vaccine came out. And that's when things started really getting crazy as far as um, being sort of uh, ostracized and, um, you know, disrespected. I ended up being terminated mid 2021 because of the fact that I refused to follow the corporate vaccine protocol. And that was awesome though, because I was able to break free of that system and start a a clinic. I also had the ability to um, start doing um, work towards for medical freedom. Uh, uh, Started doing educational seminars with several other physicians. And then in 2022, uh, we, uh, several physicians, we had the opportunity to start the wellness company. And this was the culmination of several years of waking up to the, the system, realizing that we had to just work at building something new, work at building a parallel system that doesn't involve insurance, which I think we should talk about because I think people are too stubbornly attached to insurance. Um, and so working at figuring out ways to heal people uh, and reverse their health and take that to 
take that to a broader scope of care with more physicians and teaching them how to heal people and reverse their chronic disease, reverse their um, reverse their diabetes, reverse their hypertension, help them lose weight, um, and teaching physicians that it's okay to to really deprescribe and get patients off of meds and not just always treat with meds. So we at the wellness company have had um, uh, weekly educational seminars where we talk about all of these things and we talk about the truth of medicine. We talk about the fallacy of evidence-based medicine. That was our seminar last night and um, be able to educate uh, physicians and bring in, bring together like-minded physicians so that they can feel supported and we can actually be good doctors and break free of the lies, break free of the tyranny. Can we, let's, let's go into it. The importance of uh, what you're saying is uh, people are too stubbornly attached to insurance. Well, break, break that, break that apart. How come they don't need to be just, just as a question? Oh, it's, it's a really good and fun topic to bring up because I think that patients have been so, uh, uh, I guess, controlled and maybe even brainwashed by this whole insurance need insurance paradigm patients think well if something's not covered by insurance well i'm just not going to do it or you know if something's not covered by insurance then it's it's uh that's what that's what their decision is based off of whether or not it's covered under their insurance because they pay so much, right? And so they pay so much, they got to use it. But what they're doing is contributing and enabling a very corrupt, evil, harmful system that does not have their health um, at heart. They do not care really about a patient like, like, like physicians should. Physicians should care about a patient regardless of what you know, what a, an insurance company says or what a corporate or corporation says or what a hospital administration says needs to be done. All of these things have gotten in the way of good patient care. And the insurance company, I was talking about it with a patient this morning in clinic, the insurance companies have become so overreaching. They have no, um, they have no, they have complete autonomy and no accountability to anyone they can just basically make their they make the decisions for the patient as far as what they're going to cover what they're not going to cover um increase premiums increase deductibles and patients have no say physicians have little say physicians have so much um uh, paperwork if they're in that insurance system they have so much paperwork they have they have to do prior auths and approvals and fighting back peer reviews or peer-to-peer uh, -peer authorizations all of these things only increase the burden of administrative costs of course everybody knows this but what is there to do about it well you leave the system you go find a physician that doesn't take insurance you um, realize that a lot of the services that are out there um, that are um, for lab services, imaging services, radiology um, uh, services, all of those things can probably be bought and paid for 
at a much lower cost than what you're probably paying with a deductible once those services get submitted to insurance. You can get surgery uh, out of uh, out of network or out of an insurance um, network. You can get uh, you can pay for so many things without requiring insurance. I do think patients should have a low um, sort of a low cost as low as possible high deductible plan for catastrophic coverage, but then otherwise stay outside of the system because when you're in it, you're enabling it. So admittedly, I'm kind of realizing as you're talking that this is a pretty big blind spot for me. I'd like to, I always feel like I have some sort of grasp of what I'm talking about, but I'm just kind of dawning on me. Is it, would it be too generalized and too simplified to say that insurance is just like a racketeering middleman? Like 1920s mob, like yeah, you know, you, you you give them ten bucks so you can go to the bar, but there's you're not getting anything out of it. They're not providing anything, but they're the muscle men. <laughs> so this is becoming more and more true. Okay, this is what is exactly happening. Patients are realizing that they can't even afford to use their insurance anymore because they have such a high deductible. So they're paying for a product that they can't use. They're tr they have to go outside of the system to find lower cost services for labs and imaging. Um, because because their deductibles are so high, so they're they're in this trap of keeping an insurance that they can't use um, and uh, thinking that they have to sort of stay in the system. You know, like I have I have a direct uh, primary care, direct patient care model, and so patients come to me, but they also a lot of them still have insurance, and they think you know well. You know, I, my insurance requires me to have a, a doctor on my card that is in their system. And I'm like, no, just, you know, if you want, if you have to have a name, you can pick a name. But you can see me. You can see me. And you don't have to follow along with what your insurance is telling you as far as where you can seek care. That's another thing that patients think. They think that they're kind of controlled um, by insurance. And this this is with all things. They think, oh, you know, if I have to get a Medicare wellness exam or if they're telling me I have to get these vaccines or if they're telling me I have to, you know, do this preventative test or whatever, they're scared. They're scared if they don't fall in line. They think that, you know, that something terrible is going to happen. Like they're like they're obedient little soldiers that have to that has to follow along with what their insurance company is telling them. I've been astounded over the years to see this happen more and more with patients. They like, but my insurance tells me I have to do this. And I'm like, but you're you have you're your own person. You you know, you're autonomous. You do not have to follow along with what the insurance is saying. Well, I think for a lot of people, and I'm speaking for myself, so much of this stuff is just this kind of blur that happens on the, you know, the rare occasions you need, you know, to go get medical intervention. And it's, you know, for someone like me, it's no different than going to the, I, you know, I still have my dad, you know, if I go to the mechanic, he's like, you need this and this, nothing else. You know, I go there yeah. and they, they still try to pull a fast one on you. Like, well, we gotta, you know, we gotta replace this. And I'm like, no, you don't like, and they'll, they'll look you dead in the eyes and tell you earnestly that you, you know, you, we got to pull all the seats out and put in new tires and we're just going to throw away your car. Actually, you need to buy a new one. And, you know, and I feel like that's probably the same when it comes to, I mean, I do a podcast. I've done enough of these that if I wanted to, 
I could probably pull a fast one on someone trying to get into the podcasting industry. I'd be like, you need this camera, you need that. But the reality is, is like, you need nothing. You need you need a laptop and functioning internet. That's it. I feel like mm-hmm. with with insurance, you probably have a medicine itself is daunting alone, right? It it really is. It's a different language. It's hieroglyphics. They're talking about triglycerides and and, and you know EKGs, and you're like, all right, dude, whatever. You, know, you trust the guy in the white co- or the woman in the white coat. With insurance, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's the same. It's kind of the, it's that tied into it. It's well, we're deducting mm-hmm. this, and this, and you're sitting there in the the ER with a little bracelet on your arm, and you're on like a gurney, and you're like, yeah, whatever, I don't. And then you know, so you get two Tylenol and a and a in a B12 and a Benadryl, and then a month later, you get you get a bill that costs as much as a Range Rover, and by then it's done, <laughs> and you're like, what happened? And it's just it's like getting pickpocketed. You don't realize till you're back at the hotel. Yeah, is, is that any yeah. man on the mark? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, this is what this is the ridiculousness of where we're at right now. And, and you know, a lot of patients are still kind of stuck in that system. But many, many, many are waking up and realizing they do not want to step foot in a hospital. They yeah. have no interest in submitting themselves to a broken such a such a terribly broken system where, you know, they get ridiculed if they haven't followed all the rules, like been vaccinated or they get ridiculed if they're taking several vitamins and they kind of get this, you know, the the um, the medical provider kind of is belittling to them. I've heard Uh, this so many times lately, like they get they they look down on they act like they're looking down on the patient with this paternalistic attitude yep. like they know best and the patient is stupid um this is what's happening so frequently patients are sick of it they don't want to go in they don't want to have anything to do with that and then a lot of times the patients are more informed about many subjects than even the the medical provider this is i've seen it a lot i was i think 16 talking to uh there's this girl i was friends with and her mom was a was a doctor. I just kind of remember Pat in a passing conversation. My mom's a nurse. You know, two of my uncles are doctors. A lot of my aunts are nurses. And I, I was I had a, I have a biology degree. I got into medical school and pharmacy school. I decided not to go. But just kind of growing up, I just it was kind of around me. I always remember in the in the bathroom we always had was it I think it was Tufts. Was that the one where they do like the weekly news? I just remember reading that when I was like twelve. It'd be like. Tufts, you know, a new study says if you eat blueberries and this, I just remember reading that stuff. So uh-huh. sort of through osmosis, I always, and growing up, you know, my mom always forces to eat healthy and no junk food. And, you know, I'm, I'm blessed for that. But all that aside, I remember reading early on about like the benefits of fish oil to brain health and heart health. And I was just like, oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. And I was 16 and I was, and I was talking about it and I was, I think I was at her house or something. And her mom was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, like, what, what is it? Like, e, like e, is it EPA and DHA and all this stuff has mm-hmm. benefits on cardiovascular health? And she was, and I, I think she was a cardiologist and she was looking at me and she was like, we don't give like fish oil to people at the hospital. And I was like, no, it's like preventative health. And I remember I felt yeah. so stupid because I was like, oh, I, I just got kind of, I just had my, my butt handed to me. And now I look back <laughs> on it and I'm like, I was 16. And this this practicing cardiologist was essentially like, what are you talking about, fish oil? And I can only imagine, you know, I'm much more confident now, but I can only imagine extrapolated. What if you didn't know anything? You were like, all right, I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to question anything. It is that paternal. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. This is what's happening with patients. You know, if they're really confident and bold, they'll they'll question or stand up for themselves. But many don't want to put up the fight. Sure. And 
really there's a lost opportunity to consistently educate these mainstream physicians that aren't willing to to wake up to the truth about so many things um sort of along these lines there's a there's a book that i just am so um so proud of that has uh opened up the eyes of many people which is about vaccines called turtles all the way down um right. and if if your listeners haven't read it they should but at the back of each chapter are are questions to ask your physician that are really really good and the and the questions are designed to make the physician realize they may not know as much as they think they do and they're you know respectful questions but this is where we need to go to wake to wake the healthcare system up or or just let it collapse because that's what's happening. It's it's really not doing well. So many institutions aren't doing well. Um, but if you want to try and wake your physician up, ask them respectful, pointed questions that are are good at helping the physician want to seek truth. It, it kind of feels like we're in that you know for so long, the old guard will will remain because you know what is it you know that which exists tends to persist it will mm. remain simply because and that's not always a bad thing right i mean i, I would mm -hmm. imagine all the door sizes i have are the same because it's probably the same door that's worked for 200 years i don't know but yeah. and then there's like and then there's like the the antithesis to scientific debate is mockery right oh you think this you think that and that's you know there's maybe some credibility in that you think the earth's you know flat and so yeah you're, you're you're an idiot and there probably is some validity to mocking it's not the best way to go about an argument but sometimes there's validity and again back to the whole medicine kind of is hieroglyphics it's it's you do feel like an idiot if you're asking something and the doctor looks down at you but eventually if there is a kernel of truth that's the beauty of it is it it will just it will survive. The truth doesn't mind being questioned. You can you can throw everything at it, and it'll just keep bouncing mm -hmm. off because it just is what it is. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's maybe where we're and not necessarily just with 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 vaccines, but kind of medicine as it is? As you go to the doctor, you have your health insurance, and we've just accepted it. You go to a hospital in the United States and you get a bill for half a trillion dollars, and that's it, <laughs> right? Are are we yeah. maybe seeing the beginnings of where it starts to break down? I hope, I hope we are because this is not good for patients. Care is, care is terrible in my opinion. I mean, we saw this obviously <clears throat> through COVID where patients were truly being killed with terrible care. They were given toxic poison medicines. They were put on ventilators. They were prevented from getting effective early cheap medicines and so whenever whenever it has gotten to the point that it's that it's that out of hand i hope it fails yeah. i think that there are some things that we need uh the mainstream system for that's for like emergencies sure. like car accidents i mean that medicine is is pretty solid yeah trauma medicine there there's probably little controversy there and little agenda-driven medicine there. I mean, they're not using big pharma money necessarily. It is pure anatomics. So 
I would say like trauma medicine, we need um, some surgeries, but you know, in, it's really interesting over the last two or three years where patients have less and less faith in, in the hospital system, they do not want to go in for surgeries. So I've had patients that have like appendicitis or gallbladder issues. And interestingly enough, a lot of those can just be treated with antibiotics. I had a patient at the beginning of 2022 who was absolutely dead set against going into the hospital and she was having right lower quadrant pain and we did imaging and I get a call from the radiologist and it's appendicitis and I call the patient I'm like it's appendicitis and um so she's like okay what are you gonna do and I'm like well you're gonna have to go in the hospital and she's like no I'm not going I am not going what can you do for me and I'm like oh my goodness so I, I treated her. I, I did research. I tried to figure out what was the best antibiotic and treatment for appendicitis. We had to do two different rounds of it. And a year later, she's fine. A year and a half, actually. Um, so this is, so think, rethinking all of the sort of the, the paradigm, the black and white issues that we thought were black and white, probably not so black and white. I have had similar um, uh, events with patients with gallbladder pain. They don't want to get their gallbladder out. They have there's different protocols out there for gallbladder treatments and, and we can also use antibiotics for that. But so patients are have gotten to the point, and I'm not saying that every single time that this has a good outcome, there's probably patients out there that have refused to go into the hospital and they needed it, they you know needed surgery, and I'm not advocating for patients to absolutely leave. I'm What I am stating is that patients are sick of being treated terrible. That's wild, I'm not going. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a sink or swim moment as a physician. Mm -hmm. It totally was. Yeah, but you know what? This is where there's several physicians on Twitter that, if, you know, I see they're, they're waking up and they're making comments about, wow, I have been lied to. Like, they, they, just like me, I realized my allopathic training, my MD training, what <laughs> what truth was there? I don't, you know, I like, I learned biochemistry, I learned anatomy, physiology. That's all good. That's, that's great. But pharmaceutical um, treatment of disease by pharmaceuticals was the heaviest part of the, of the training. So really? we, so all of these physicians are looking at, you know, our training, looking at where we're at, how much of it is truth, how much of it is lies. And all of these physicians waking up, I posted one time on one of them, I'm like, when you're waking up and you get to start practicing real medicine, this is where it gets so fun. This is where you get pushed into actually being a healer instead of a treater. And you get to actually reverse disease and, and restore health. It's, it's, it's much better. It, 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 flush that out. More fun. More feel like you're putting your skills to work. Oh, yeah. So you start thinking again. So you okay. start thinking about how to how to reverse disease, how to heal disease. What is the what is the uh, foundation of the disease? What is the cause of it? Not just throwing a medicine at it that takes thirty seconds, but how to restore a patient's health and go backwards and um, and 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 tell a patient, "Wow, it doesn't look like you need that." blood pressure medicine anymore because you've lost 15 pounds and you've reduced all your inflammatory foods and your body's happy and it's not raging anymore. And so let's get you off of this medicine or let's, 
let's reduce your diabetic medications. I, I don't have any patients on insulin anymore. All it takes is, is a, a zero carb, zero sugar diet, and you do not need insulin. And that's my favorite is carnivore. I'm absolutely a fan. I've seen tremendous results from that. It is the most anti-inflammatory healing diet. And it, it definitely helps restore health. I guess I, I, I do I do kind of see that as my favorite class ever in college was organic chemistry, I guess, because I hate myself. But I genuinely love that class. And most people hate I, I I still think about it. I loved it. I loved the puzzle pieces. I loved and I, I loved tests because I love to see just how much because you can only do the practice problems in the book so many times before you start to memorize mm-hmm. them. And then you're like, well, now I'm not learning. I always uh-huh. loved to test because it was just. You had to put everything out. You'd start to go at it from one angle, and then you go, wait, no, no, we can't do that because of this. You'd be like, okay, well, mm-hmm. we got to use you know hydrogen and palladium. and But no, we can't do that because you have to do – and you kind of sit back, and you, you you look at it, and you start moving around, and you start, this will work, and then this will work. And then you start to see the – it's like when you're putting a puzzle together, but not, not when you're putting individual pieces together, but it's like when you have a couple of trunks already assembled, and then you start to see how the chunks bridge, and you go – and then if we hit that – then we can do blah, 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 and ding, 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 get the green. Light. It's like the dopamine rush. You're like, there it is. And then you just see this, this beautiful thing play out. And it's just, yeah. I mean, problem if, solving is problem solving is fun. And that's rewarding. what you're describing. Problem solving is where, um, is where physicians should, that's what they should be doing. That's the curriculum I did in, um, for my medical school. That's why I went to that medical school in Missouri. But, um, but we have lost the ability to problem solve and reverse disease. Mm. We, we just think, okay, well, we have problem solved and diagnosed a disease and here is the pharmaceutical, you know, yeah. instead of problem solving and reversing that disease. And that's so much more fun. Yeah. And, and what we're talking about is just like personal subjective fun. And then there's like a whole other level to it. And it's like, hey, regardless of how much fun you're having, you're actually saving the patient. It's like, oh, yeah, that part, too. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's 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 one thing to say this is more challenging. I feel like I'm putting my tools to work. I feel like, you know, I'm getting my neurons sweating. And then it's not yes. just that it's oh, and by the way, you're not getting someone, you know, addicted to, you know, Oxycontin or something or you're not having someone addicted <laughs> yeah. to some like yeah. GABAergic or something. You're you're also making them better and it doesn't cost anything. It's like, yeah, man, just, you know, stop eating, stop eating white bread. Well, yeah. So it's it's crazy how much sugar creates inflammation when patients stop eating sugar so many patients time and time again, they say, Oh my gosh, within a few days, I realized I wasn't really having pain anymore. You know, their chronic heel pain or their chronic ankle pain or knee pain, um, is, is due to inflammation and sugar is poison toxic. So are seed oils. I think everybody has has been learning that, Mm -hmm. but seed oils are in everything. You got to look at everything that you eat, your mayonnaise, your salad dressings, the cookies, the crackers, everything you eat, the chips, um, going out to eat and eating chips in a Mexican restaurant, ugh, that is like so bad. It's it's toxic corn, it's it is toxic carbs, it is toxic seed oils. Every single component of those things are are bad for you. So um, so patients need to learn to reduce the inflammatory ingestion of inflammatory things. Mm. The, the seed oils, the sugars are the biggest. Yeah, it always is kind of. I've, I mean, I've been exercising since I think I started working out lifting weights in 2003 i was 13 but i've been doing Mm -hmm. it for most of my life and it always is 
it's so predictable. When you, you know, a friend asks you for something, you kind of, hey, these are the ropes. Just get started with this. And, you know, you really got to get the eight hours of sleep. You're not going to work out well. You know, drink a little more water than you want to because you're probably hot. Just like the most basic elementary things like, mm-hmm. without failure. 72 hours later, you'll have me like, dude, I've never felt this good in my life. And it's like, <laughs> it's really, it's just that. It's just, they're like, this is, and I'm like, this is, like when I was in college and like, I'd always be working out and I wouldn't go out drinking. I'd be like, I'm going to wake up and go for a run at five. And they'd be like, you're so disciplined. And I'd be like, I'm not That's disciplined. Like at all. I'm like, I'm not disciplined <laughs> at all. I'm, I've always told them I'm just y'all, but extrapolated. You guys are going out and drinking and smoking pot because it feels good. I'm like, I'm just, I want something that feels even better. So I guess more than anything, I'm a, I'm a true drug addict. I'm like, I want the endorphins and the kephalines. I want to feel good. And it was just, that's all it is, man. I'm not doing it because it's discipline and because it's hard. I'm doing it because it makes life so much easier. Oh, it does. And this is what I tell patients when they start removing those inflammatory, toxic things from their diet. They realize how good they feel. Yeah. And then if they if they bring it back in, they're like, oh, oh yeah. And that's that- the yeah. And then you take a break. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I worked out for a week. And you're like, I, you know, I had whatever. You know, I ate some cookies. And they're like, I was straight up depressed the next day. And it's like, yeah, that is. And it, it really is, it's kind of a, almost a spiritual experience, like in all seriousness, when you, so like if I, over Christmas break or something, I'll just completely drop the entire like workout exercise regimen for like two weeks. And I, I don't, I regret nothing. Just drinking heavy mm-hmm. beer, mom's cooking, desserts, sleeping all day, watching TV. <laughs> like it's great. And I regret nothing. However, towards the end of it, I, I start to, I almost start to forget what it likes to feel what what it feels like to to, to feel good is that's right uh, i start mm-hmm. to mopey lethargic apathetic you don't want to which move. shows you which shows you how important all of those things are for mental sure. health that nobody will talk about i mean i i mean i know there's some people out there talking about it but the mainstream treatment of mental health depression anxiety or whatever is to do medication when there are so many better ways nutrition and removing toxic things helps your helps your um your mood and all of those things so much and it's a long lasting thing Mm. you know patients start these psychiatric meds they may feel better temporarily but the problem is and this is what i tell patients the problem is that those psychiatric meds essentially create and continue the disease and worsen it. You feel this boost and then you have to stay on it and go up on the dose. It's yeah, it's not the answer. And you know, when, when I do take a break, like a Christmas break and it's so like if I, you know, I'll take like one day off a week from the gym, eat some junk food and just kind of relax. And that's, that's just enough that I feel good. I find once I hit a second day off, I start to feel the lethargy come in. I start to, and I'm like, nope, kill it now, kill it now. But even then there's still, I can still see the light at the tunnel that I'm leaving. And I'm like, it's there. Let's go back to it. You're starting to feel bad. Let's go back to it. If I start, if I take more than 10 days off the, I start to forget that I can feel better. Even though I've been working out for 20 years, if I take 10 days off, I'll start to, I'm depressed. Well, I mean, what's the point of any of this? Life is so hard. And then I'll go, I'll hit the gym once and I'll eat healthy. And by the end of the day, I'm like, oh yeah, like this is life. And then I think, 
What about the people who've never experienced that? I'm lucky. I had a mom that raised us and forced us to exercise and forced us to eat healthy. What about people who've never experienced that, though? And they don't know that that even exists. Man, and it's it's really rampant where parents, even parents that you think they're kind of smart, all they do is allow kids to have the mainstream foods that are like just because it's a food it must be okay to eat you know if it's edible you know, like food available substance. to buy it must be okay <laughs> this is where we're at where you know parents just kind of blow off really watching their child's health and all of that sugar is terrible for for patients for their reproductive system for their lifelong health yeah. i mean it, they can develop um you know, PCOS and fertility problems, irregular cycles, they can develop diabetes, they can have uh, boys if they're overweight, they have excess estrogen production and decreased testosterone, they're just sitting on the couch. So all of these toxic foods are designed, I honestly think they're designed yeah. to make to make patients unhealthy, unhappy and controllable. Yeah, I think it probably started as like cost cutting and then very quickly you start to see the the overlapping where you probably had someone like 40 years ago working in the medical field that who knows also had a business degree and they're like well hold on just a second <laughs> that sugar well, there's, there's several aspects of this so we can go back uh that harvard a long, study long time ago 100 years ago um when kellogg yeah was <laughs> breakfast making cereal, cereal. Do you know, this is what my son found out, and he said he hasn't, I asked him for the source. This is this is just sort of like potentially not perfectly correct. But he said that, the, that Kellogg was a Seventh-day Adventist, very religious, and he wanted um, to be able to control sexual desires in men, like so that they don't like, <laughs> are not sexually immoral or masturbating sure. or whatever. He wanted them to have that sort of decrease in libido and he knew that his foods, like the oats and the grains, would do that. And he did that intentionally. So whenever we've been told, eat all of this oatmeal every morning, eat these grains, man, they're so bad for hormones. Increase insulin, they increase insulin resistance. It's the it's the last thing you want. Yeah. It's not good for you. Yeah. I mean it was like the oldest story ever, right? It's like the Epic of Gilgamesh, and there's yeah. a there's a guy who isn't he's, he's like there's a, he's like half man, half god, and he's kind of bucking this. If I recall, he's like wants to usurp the existing god or something, and he gives him he gives him hookers or prostitutes, whatever it was ten thousand years ago, harlots, and yeah, and I like, I like a huge and like bountiful food, and it's so that it becomes oh. domesticated. He so stops fighting. Go. He stops trying to take the throne. And it's like, yeah. hey, man, <laughs> that's there's Life some truth to that. And it's yeah, I do think that that's what you want, though. You don't want I mean, if you're if you're in the power structure of a society, you don't want masculine men. You oh, don't yeah. Want them. You don't want masculine men. And no. also the other thing that has happened is this whole sort of stupidity and oh, ridiculousness, yeah. the low fat craze, low fat. So basically fake food, we've been doing that for decades because we've been told that what is what helps with heart disease. And that's all a ridiculous lie. It's led to increased heart disease and obesity. And so when patients are fat and unhealthy, 
they're um they're not, not warriors. They're not they ain't revolting. Yeah, the only ones you want to do well is like your Praetorian guard and you'll select them and train them and uh nourish them. But yeah, I mean your 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 brain's three and a half pounds of of fat. Of, you know, it goes it goes hand in hand. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you do start to see it all come together as it is not meant for you to live any sort of productive, viable life. And I mean, to the mental health thing, it really is above all else. That's, that's why I exercise. I mean, I can go back 15 years and days I didn't exercise. I would just be dreary. And it's something Mm -hmm. that is so important to me. I'm not saying chemical balances don't exist. In 2014, I lost my older brother to suicide. I'm very, this stuff's very near and dear to me. However, I know that there's a handful of things that you need to do first before you go to grabbing a pill. And yeah, it's yeah. And and your brother, I'm so sorry to hear about that. There could have been so many things that were lacking, you know, like or toxins that he was exposed to it. It could have been a lot of things. Absolutely. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a neurologist. And there's certainly, you know, neurotransmitters and chemical imbalance clearly I mean, there are people with paranoid schizophrenia. That's they don't have that because they didn't hit the gym. I I, I get that. I'm I'm humble enough to to say I I know what I don't know. However, from my own experiences, there's they, there are a handful of things you can do. I mean, eight hours non negotiable. Eight hours of sleep, like non negotiable. Like like you would you would never let you. I don't let my chart. I don't. I start to get anxious if my phone goes before below like seventy percent battery. <laughs> I have a. I have several of these batteries. I mean, there's an outlet three feet from me, but no, I, I got a battery right here just in case my phone goes, because what if I need it? What if I need it for anything? Incorrect. What if I do oh. need it? But what if your body needs you? What if your body needs you tomorrow? Well, I'm just going to the office. All right. Well, how about your mental health? Are you too tired to hit the gym or respond to that email that might lead to a new job opportunity or decide to get better groceries? Even that, just that little extra boost. If you're not sleeping enough, but then that goes to other things. I don't do podcasts yeah. if I can't hit the gym. I, because yeah. they're horrible. I can't. Um, Whatever's your doctor get? You work for Exxon Mobil. I mean, sorry, the wellness company. Yeah, no, it's it's all. I'm I'm fading in and out, and it's no. You got to exercise, and then another huge one I'd say, and it's 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 I do it after exercise is 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 meditation, or if you want prayer, but twenty to thirty minutes of just sit down. Absolutely. Quiet. I'm- Big fan. I mean, it's so required. Your quiet time in the morning, oh your prayer God. time. It's crucial for oh your. It's, that's what I have to have in order to like. I can't I'm operate. Nervous. I don't get that in the morning. Mm. Bad day. Oh yeah. yeah. Thoughts are running again. That's another thing. Where podcasts are bad. Like I will, my tension span goes down. The guests will finish talking, and I'll realize I'm like, oh, I got uh yeah. So uh, how about that? What you know? It's. It's, but then versus when you get eight hours of sleep and you hit the gym and you do some sort of meditation, it's not even that you come up to baseline. It's, there's actually something far. I mean, it's almost, it's almost religious. You do start to, you're like, oh, you start to understand all those, you know, from whatever religion you want, pick and choose, but you start to understand those old texts. Like, oh, this is the day the Lord has made. You go outside, you're like, the clouds are just, you hear the birds chirping, the sun on your skin. And you're like, yep you're like life is great and yeah. normally if you're not living a healthy lifestyle i know for me at least you know when, whenever i'm you know not exercising or not focusing on my health the only time i get that moment of bliss is on a friday two beers in you're like life isn't that bad and it's like that's not sustainable man 
that's not sustainable. sustainable. That can be every day. This this subject of sleep, it's so important. It's insane. And it's insane. And so um, a lot of things that people are doing during the day that they don't think, oh, it's going to affect my sleep at night. They don't realize like caffeine stays in your system for so long. The half-life is long. You drink a coffee in the afternoon. It is absolutely going to reduce your quality of sleep. You may be able to get to sleep, but you're not going to have the same restful sleep, restful sleep. That reminds me. So we do have, if you're having trouble with sleep, our um, wellness company has a really, really good formula that we have gotten so many amazing testimonials about. And it's so good. It's so good that I think you should probably just try taking one. The back of the bottle says try taking or start with two, but I think you should start with one. But it has non-melatonin based herbal ingredients that have really helped people with sleep. So back to what I was saying about like caffeine, um, you've got to be thinking all day about what's going to lead up to your nighttime routine. It's crucial. You don't want to be doing, you know, drinking caffeine during the day. You don't want to be um, doing all of these stressful things at night. You got to make sure you got a blue light filter, of course. You got to power down some of your electronics a little bit earlier. You got to be in a, a daily routine so your body has a good cycle. You need to be trying to get up with the sun um, so that you have that sort of light hit your eyes and and stimulate your your brain and get your day going um but sleep has been completely like sort of disregarded as who needs sleep sleep when you die you don't need that many hours of sleep you can live off of you know reduce sleep but you are so right it is crucial people are not going to be as productive their mental health is not going to be as good if they don't get good sleep and you can sacrifice it i mean you know, go to a party with your friends you haven't seen in a couple of years. Yeah, sure. Go wild for a couple of days. I get it. Finals week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, sometimes you're burning the candle. I understand. I do it on this podcast. If I have some huge opportunities that I cannot miss, yeah, man, we're just not. I'll have a talk with myself a bit. Yeah, we're just not. Do, we're probably not going to have good sleep tonight. And I'll, I'll apologize to my future self. But that's even that is is once in a blue moon. But I mean, and I maybe don't. I maybe not the best argument for uh, for. Um, you know, bedtime, I go to bed extremely late and I, I wake up late, but I do keep the same exact sleep schedule every single day. I get tired at the exact same time, but I mean, I won't, you know, four hours before I go to bed, I stop drinking water. I'll chew gum if my mouth gets dry. So I don't have to, you know, I'm not waking up and go to the bathroom two hours before mm-hmm. it's in bed lights off. And even just something as simple as if you have your legs up, no, put them down flat. Just you can feel your muscles start to relax. Dim totally. down your phone. Yep. Oh, yeah. Put on the, the orange filter. And then even that, you put it down entirely, no matter how dark the screen is. Just your brain engaging with tech. Put it down. Mm-hmm. Let the thoughts start to just go like that. Just kind of go out. And then a huge one I always say is I, I need about seven hours of sleep. So every night I make sure I have about eight and a half because there's nothing mm-hmm. worse than laying down and going, I got to be asleep now. I have to be asleep. You're not going to go to sleep, man. So give yourself. But my point of all of this is with like sleep itself is I remember I was a sophomore in college and I was doing I just I, I basically oh, I was a terrible student my freshman year and my sophomore year, the first day of school, I was like, I want to be a doctor. And all, all my friends are laughing at me. And then that's just all I did for the next six semesters was study and get straight A's. So and, how come you didn't choose to go to medical school? I got in after six months of just not, excuse me, six semesters of just studying nonstop, doing, you know, independent research, 
Letters recommend shadowing everything. I aced the MCAT. I scored in the top five percentile, and I, I got into the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine, and I just felt like my heart wasn't in it, and I felt it really it had been creeping into my mind for the previous maybe twelve months, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of it was probably originally fear based. I was not doing well. I was living in a frat house at Valdosta State University and was like, I'm not, I'm going nowhere fast. And I think a lot of it was like, well, if I become a doctor, that will solve my problems. And it was, mm. it was, it, it served its purpose. It did get me back into shape and uh, develop good habits. But when I, I got in, I did the thing. I felt like I finally jumped through the hoop. But by the time I got in, I didn't even really care anymore. And... I was like, my heart is not in this. Well, you met you. Your challenge was to get in and you yeah. got in. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's the thing is I got in and I'm like, well, now what? And it's like, well, now you got to go to medical school. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I got in, I got the letter and was like, I got the trophy. And I could feel like the intensity it took for me to, to ace these classes. That very thing was burning out. And I was like, I can still show up and do the work. But mm -hmm. there was a, there was a flame inside of me that was pushing me to do it. And it, it went out. Like I work hard at the podcast. Most people could, if you really wanted to, you could find guests and do it. There's a reason why I do like 10 a week is because there is a, just an insane energy inside me to do it. But mm -hmm. I remember right when I started, I was like, I need to start, I need to get, I was like, did the math. I was like, I need to get straight A's every semester for the next three years to bring my average up. And I, I got a spot doing aquatic toxicology research in some lab, whatever. Point of all of this is I remember going in one Saturday and I had just happened to go to sleep early the night before. And I was in there and I was doing work and I also had like biology flashcards. I was like killing two birds with one stone. And I was, mm -hmm. I was like, I feel great. I mean, I feel like I'm on a drug. And I was like, what is this? And I realized I'd gotten eight hours of sleep. And I was like, I guess I hadn't slept well in like a year. That's when I started getting eight hours of sleep. Was I would just realize oh. I was like I was like, if you don't get four hours of sleep and go to bed shit faced, you actually wake up feeling good. I was like, What is this? It's like a cheat code. And so that's that's my whole point. But that that's applicable with exercise, with meditation. It's all these things that it's not as easy as just taking a pill, right? Right. But Right. It's much more long lasting. It's much more organic. There's a foundation to it. Instead of burning newspaper, it's like burning a log. It's slow, but it's real. And I get the hesitation to go into it because it's difficult. And there's not someone in a white coat telling you to do it. But that's that's right. often where the answer lies. I don't know where I was going with that whole tirade, but yeah, that's my point. Uh, well, I started with asking why you didn't go to oh, yeah. school. You got that answer. Right? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. I did that. And then I got in, I was like, I want to do pharmacy. So I got in a pharmacy school and then it was like, I don't know if I want to do this either. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that led me down a long path to where I am now. But I mean, I guess for me, the, the, the real takeaway is, is mental health. And I think it's a microcosm because it's probably applicable to all forms of health, to endocrinology, to digestion, to whatever reproduction. Oh yeah. But for oh, yeah. me, I've personally experienced that the biggest effect is not, you know, therapy is good. Medication is good. I get it. Man, 
just doing simple things, reducing the number of calories you eat. Extra, yeah, hot, intermittent hot. fasting. Is, yes, intermittent fasting is the bomb. I mean, it makes people feel amazing. If we're always eating, ugh, your body doesn't get to do anything else but digest. If you're always eating and you always have that insulin release and you're always driving in, you know, sugar and calories into your cells, it's it's just an exhausting process to always be eating. Your body loves not having to digest. And whenever you don't eat late at night, which so many people do, they snack, then your body gets to do all of this amazing healing, healing of your brain, finding cancer cells and getting rid of them and finding old cells and senescent cells, getting rid of them. And then, and then skip breakfast. There we go again, yeah. back to Kellogg, telling us that the most important meal of the day is breakfast. It's not that makes us like probably eat more calories than we need. It breaks our fast. It breaks that sort of clean fuel burning time makes us fat. So we don't need breakfast. I eat in a two hour window every day at the end of my. Oh, day. wow. That's that's not bad. You can it, do that. It's it's again. I don't know how to do anything in moderation. So if I'm going to intermittent fast, I'm going to intermittent fast like a psycho. But. No, man, I, I don't eat breakfast. I'm, I haven't eaten since 8 p.m. last night. Like, I don't, this is what I do every day. And I've, yeah. again, if I switch it up now and I eat like a meal, I'm doing the podcast and I feel like I'm pregnant. Like, my belly is full <laughs> and I'm like nodding off. And I'm like, yeah, it's a great story. And I'm like hiccuping and stuff. And I'm like, oh, hey, you're just, you're just high off your body digesting. It's just taking the blood away from your brain. I'm like, hey, it's a great story, Dr. Gasoline. Thank you. I'm just like burping and stuff. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's if it hurts, it's probably good for you. Go to the gym and it hurts, you're probably doing good. Are you hungry? It's probably good for you. That's all. But you know the amazing thing is when you do intermittent fasting, it breaks your cycle of hunger. That I'm is never hungry. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. That's how it is. People can't believe it, but I'm like when you start doing intermittent fasting where you don't eat past your your dinner time, 7 or in your case 8 and you don't have breakfast, Man, when it comes time for you to eat lunch, okay, you get hungry. That's fine. But it's not like you're hungry all the time. Like people typically are. They're constantly thinking about food. They're constantly hungry because they're always getting that insulin surge and they're always feeding that. It's it's a good cycle to break. That's one of the, again, one of the more crazy things about it is if I take a cheat day and eat a huge meal all day the next day, I'm so hungry. So starving and it has, that's exactly right. It has to do with that insulin release, has to do with driving all of that fuel into the cell and that insulin sort of lingering and your body thinks it needs more fuel. It's exactly right. Yeah, and then days where I barely eat, I'm really not hungry up until about 8 p.m. And another odd thing, exercising, I'm never as hungry if I exercise. And if I don't get enough sleep, I'm so hungry all day. It really is, it's all it's so simple and it's so in your face, but it's just the antithesis mm -hmm. of everything we've been taught. Totally. It absolutely is. Yep. Um, well, let's, uh, let's wrap this one up. And do you have, do you have any, any closing comments, any close, anything I didn't touch on? I don't really know what we touched oh, on this podcast. Did we give the website? So our website for the wellness company, I want everybody to go take a look. TWC.health. Um, I'm on Twitter at H guessling. Um, and I can't remember. I never, every time I tell myself I need to remember, memorize what our Twitter handle is for the wellness company. But I think um, if you go to my uh, Twitter, you can find the wellness company. 
And um, so we talked about restful sleep. I just need to talk about our most important product that is so timely right now, which is spike support. Everybody needs to be aware that there is help out there. If you're vaccine injured, if you have long haul COVID, if you're worried about being other around others that are maybe shedding, then spike support is important. And I really think everybody needs spike support. <clears throat> There's so many benefits to it. The most important ingredients are natokinase and dandelion root, which help prevent um, attachment of the spike protein to the ACE receptor, which is important. And it also helps degrade spike protein, natokinase does. And it also helps prevent and break down fibrin clots, which has become so common in those that are um, suffering from vaccine injury. So um, it also has black cumin seed in it. I was on a, on a morning show the other day talking about it. And I realized I start taking spike support if I feel like I'm getting sick and I realized, oh, it works so well because of that black cumin seed in there. Um, so I want everybody to know about that product. I probably should, and I'm not getting a, I'm not getting a penny, just FYI for everyone listening, but I probably should take it. I'm not vaccinated, but is, 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 is genuine question is, is shedding that big of a thing? Shedding happens. We don't know how long it okay. happens after somebody is vaccinated. We don't know if it's sort of indefinite or it's more closely timed to when they get like a booster or when they have gotten their first, you know, vaccines. We don't know, but it is, it absolutely is happening. And the format of it is up for debate. There's a lot of, there's a lot of discussions right now about how exactly that's happening. Exosomes, it could even happen because of potential DNA plasma contamination in the vaccines that's creating um that's going into gut bacteria and replicating there it could potentially even um be passed through sort of this infectious disease process where if somebody's exposed to another person's you know stool or whatever like 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 infectious disease happens right right now like we get you know gi illnesses and stuff it's it could happen that way as well but i don't have we don't have definitive answers on that sure yeah good lord well, that's terrifying. Um, not to leave everyone on a scary note, but uh, Dr. Gessling, thank you so much for your time. I'd love to have you on again. Thank you for putting up with my my rants and rambles. As as with the show, fun. mostly is is just me yelling like a crazy person in front of the camera, and <laughs> the guests nodding politely. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. In the description, thank guys, is her Twitter, is the Wellness Company, and thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Tommy. See you later. Thank you. Guys, thank you for watching. Take care, Recording everybody. Stopped. God bless. Peace.